Grace and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. There is the Holy Spirit. And there are unclean spirits. If it helps you to grasp this idea, this reality, think of the spirit of this place. A loving, caring, safe community. Led by the Holy Spirit. Think of the spirit of a group that is hateful and angry and bent on destruction, seeking to harm others. The next step is to realize that Scripture tells us that the unclean spirit cried out. This is not the spirit of a society, but a person. And what that spirit cried out is the cry we hear in our world today. What have we to do with you, Jesus? There's the battle that we are truly in this day. Why do I believe in unclean spirits? Well, because Scripture says there are unclean spirits and Jesus cast them out. And I believe Scripture is true. It's that simple. Now keep in mind, Jesus is in the synagogue and he begins with a rebuke. I know I don't like it. I suspect you don't like it. But that's the reality of confession. We receive the rebuke of Jesus declaring that, yes, I am a sinner, guilty and deserving of punishment. Punishment. Jesus says, yes, you are a sinner. And you do deserve punishment. But I forgive you. Do hear Jesus rebuke the uncleanness in us. He has come to cast out all uncleanness. Now, Jesus says, and this is the important part. Now let's get us to let us get to work on the issues. It is in this place that all Christians are to spend our time and our effort. But we are to do so with Jesus leading the way. And we are to do so seeking to maintain balance. Now we can be like Peter. You remember on the the night in which Jesus washed the disciples' feet? We can be like Peter and say, oh, wash all of me, Jesus. But we need to hear, what I do is enough. Jesus must lead the way. And he will lead us one step at a time. You see, Jesus takes all of this, and you, and me, personally. How can he better demonstrate it 
than the way he has. He took your sins quite literally on himself on the cross. Here we meet the most important aspect of the gospel. Jesus has come to take you and me and make of us what we are not yet. Do you understand this? What I'm trying to say is that, at least for me, but I suspect all of us sometimes just gloss over this. And and in so doing, we get caught up in the nonsense of this rebellious age. You ever seen one of these on somebody's desk? Newton's cradle. He's the guy that, you know, saw the apple fall from the tree. Pull one of the balls back, let it go, what happens? Off on the other side. Then what happens? Off on the other side. Back and forth, just like a pendulum. You know, it seems to be the way that many people live. React to this, to that, to the other thing. One extreme to the other. Now, if you've watched this device, you know that those balls in the middle, they stay pretty still. They stay unmoving. Even though the bouncing's going back and forth, they stay put. You see, what happens being unmoved is they stay in tension. Have you noticed that in the gospel, Jesus is not one to become anxious? Probably the closest thing we can see to anxiety in Jesus, and it wasn't that, was that night in the garden before he was betrayed. Father, if this cup can pass from me. No, not, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, Jesus simply took each moment as it came. And we're to do the same. He is our example. You probably haven't figured this out yet. The world is often crazy. (laughs) Bouncing from one thing to another. Generations rebel one against the other. But if you step back far enough, what you see is that in human history, we go from one extreme to the other extreme, passing through the middle but not staying there. The hostility of the world does not cease. But Christ has invited us to dwell in the place of the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's that middle spot. Unmoving. We can watch the swinging of the pendulum knowing, knowing that all things are, have been, and will be in God's hands. Craziness will go on around you. God's got you. God's got you. Remember that the next time, well, if you're like me, you cry out, Lord, where are you? Right here, 
I got you. God says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. From Psalm this morning, we were offered some of the greatest wisdom there is to have. Wisdom is not being wise as the world calls it, but understanding, shall I say, knowing. That's what the Hebrew word irath, those of you who are Hebrew scholars, it's right there in the text, implies. And what it's saying is, we're in the Lord's hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, sister, in his hands. Most especially, whatever you are dealing with, whenever it may come, the Lord already knows about it. And he intends that all of our moments lead us ever closer to him. He has created you to be in an eternal relationship with him. Wow. This is what is meant by fear. It's not being afraid, but understanding that all things really are in the Lord's hands. And then when I forget that, it's my faith problem, not God's problem. As Lutherans, we put to tend to put in, into place what St. Paul is saying here to the Corinthians in this verbiage. We are to live in the law, gospel, tension. It's not tension as in being tense. It's unmoving. As the roof above us stays there in tension, unmoving. Now, what would you do if all of a sudden the roof started going up and down and sideways and wiggling all over the place? I suspect you'd be following me in a heartbeat outside. <laughs> the roof does what it's supposed to do because it's in perfect tension. Have you come in here and sensed the roof going, I'm tense? No. It's living in the place of peace. Living the law gospel tension is living that place in the middle. The law is good. It reflects God's character. The gospel is good. It reflects God's love. You and I are called to reflect God's goodness and God's love. Not separately, but together as one. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but fulfill it because it's good. It reflects God's character. And he did so in love. For he so loved the world, Scripture says, that he gave his only son for us. That's the light that's to shine from each one of us. On the one hand, you are free to do whatever you'll do. Knowing that the Lord has paid the price for your sin and mine, you no longer have to worry about the condemnation. That's gone. 
This is not permission to do as you please. Look, I'm a married man. I'm no less free to do whatever I'll do just because I'm married. But as one who is yoked to my bride, there's something else going on. It's called relationship. When I married, I didn't lose anything. I gained something. This relationship, sacred and ordained by God, is something more than when I was alone. Now I care about the other as a part of me. And I have a commandment from Jesus to love the other as I love myself. And by the way, that doesn't mean manufacturing fond feelings. And in fact, I learned this because there is a sometimes cranky, obnoxious person for whom I have no fond feelings, but I never stopped loving them. If you're curious as to who that is, just look in the mirror. There are times when you don't like yourself, but you never stop loving yourself. We are also in the bonds of an eternal relationship for which we have been created. And we need to learn how to love no matter what. God loves us no matter what. He asks that we learn to love him the same way. Not only that, he calls for us to equally love our neighbor. This is really what is behind what Paul is saying. What is food that we should fear it? In this case, it's a hunk of meat sacrificed to an idol. So what? It's meat. In Paul's day, people were afraid of it. Ah! That's been sacrificed to an idol. That's not in the text. <laughs> because they were afraid of it, it was cheap meat. I call myself frugal. My kids call me cheap. I'd go for the cheap meat. Hey. However, if it causes a sister or brother to stumble, leave it behind. We may live in a world that says, do what you will, I don't care what you do. But we are to care for one simple reason. Will what I do help or hinder the other? More specifically, will it build up or tear down their relationship with the living God who loves us all? Now, this does not mean that we have to be anxious. Remember, Jesus wasn't anxious. Nor overly cautious. Side note here, sometimes my most stupid moments are the moments somebody else learns. And it's like, okay, Lord. But we are to take care to not be a stumbling block for others. Did you catch that? 
Relate with others such that you care about what your influence might produce. Good parents naturally do this for their children. The not-so-good and pretentious parents, children see right through that. Children are smart. They really are. Did not Jesus tell us, unless you become as a child? Not childish, like a child. Children understand much more than we give them credit to. They're just quiet about it. Except those moments where they speak the real truth and we go, yikes. Somehow when we become adults, we lose the ability to keep silent and see things as they are. Jesus told us to be innocent as doves, yet be shrewd as serpents. Being Christian is not a once a week event, but the reality of life itself. We are to regain what was lost and be like children, marveling at the world around us, realizing how little we really know. <laughs> I'm a pastor, this is the toughest one, and keeping silent. There are many unknown things, and children know this. And as adults, we can pretend that we know when we don't. Unless you become as a child, Jesus said. Jesus did not come to pick us up, brush us off, and send us on our way. Jesus says, I want you, all of you. I will make of you something you cannot fathom. I will make you to be like me. Whatever it costs you, whatever it costs me, Jesus says, I will not settle for anything less than the whole of you. It will take all of your life. Who knows? It may take more than a lifetime. When we accept Jesus, that he has called us through the water of our baptism, and I mean really surrender to him, the real work begins. And we each have our part. A prophet has been raised in our midst. Almighty God has sent his only begotten son. He said of him, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. If one ignores Jesus, they will be held accountable for their sin. If one listens to Jesus, they hear. Your sin's behind you. Now let's get moving. Jesus has come to lead the way, shining the light of truth for those who have eyes to see. Where is he taking us? Home. Lead on, O King Eternal. As Jesus said to his disciples, he says to you and me, come and see. Amen.